Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 48. This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubell. Hey, my friend, how are you? What is up? I'm so glad you're here with me today on the podcast. So excited to record this podcast for you. I think this one's kind of a long time coming. I've had a number of questions over the past months about this one. I'm excited to share more with you about what to do when you get into a weight loss plateau. But first... I want to talk to you about iTunes reviews. Woohoo! <laughs> as of today, as I'm recording this, I had 199 reviews, way more ratings, which is the star ratings, which I totally appreciate. If you've left me a star rating, but have not left me a review, I would so appreciate it if you could go back and just type in a couple words about the podcast. It doesn't have to be a lot. It would really, really help the podcast and help other people find this and get the help that they need, which really helps the podcast and helps me. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, I would totally appreciate it. Now, if you're also one of these people who listens and is getting good stuff out of this, but hasn't left me a review, I would really, really, really appreciate it if you could do that. I have told you guys before that my goal is to get 500 reviews and I'm at 199. So we've got a ways to go. Unless we get a bunch of people <laughs> getting on there, I'm going to be asking for weeks and weeks and weeks at the rate we're going. So I would love it if you could just take a quick, quick moment to get onto iTunes either on your computer, which you can even do if you have a PC, 
or on your iPhone podcast app, the Apple podcast app, and just get on there, find weight loss for busy physicians, scroll all the way to the bottom. And it's super easy now to leave a review. So it'd be so great if you could do that. So listen, I have two new reviews that I love that I just have to share with you. One is from Mamorad56. She titles it Weight Loss Revelation. After winning the genetic lottery for metabolism, lucky girl, I was chagrined to see fat finally accumulating around my middle at age 61 after I stopped taking hormone replacement therapy. I felt I should be entitled to just exercise it off like I always had, but this strategy no longer worked. This podcast has provided me with the first new information I have ever heard about weight loss. Lose fat by eating more fat? Who knew? You mean I don't have to feel guilty about not exercising? (laughs) I love the podcast and have enjoyed the unexpected pleasure learning new strategies to cope with all aspects of life, even at my advanced age. Thank you for providing this wonderful information. You are so, so, so welcome. And I do not think 61 is an advanced age. You're only 20 years older than me. (laughs) So maybe we're all, maybe we're both advancing. Who knows? And the other review is from Ski Crazy 333, which doesn't she sound super Super fun. I love that. I wonder if you ski a lot. And she tells it the best yet. Thank you, Katrina, for doing these podcasts. I have listened to Ditching the Perfectionist three times. My mind is blown. I always thought something was wrong with me, but you nailed what goes through my head. I'm totally happy to do some B minus work and being fine with good enough is good enough. Thank you for helping me through this, Jessica. Jessica, you're so welcome. I had been thinking about doing that topic for a long time and I am someone who needs to have these topics kind of (laughs) marinate in my brain for a little while. Like I, I need time to think. And so I had been thinking about the perfectionist topic for months, like probably at least six months, what would be the best way to convey that to you all gotten some really good feedback from that podcast episode. I'm so glad that it helped so many of you. It's so great. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about a plateau, what you do when you are in a plateau and how we deal with that. I have gotten many comments and questions about this over the last number of months, but most recently I got a message from Jimmy. She writes, Hi Katrina, I am a fellow physician and find your podcast via a Facebook group. This episode was amazing. She was referring to episode seven. I have a question about plateaus. I've been doing intermittent fasting and moderately low carb diet for seven months. I lost 20 pounds in the first couple of months and since then hit a plateau. Have you seen this with your clients and how does one get out of it? Thank you. So yeah, for sure, plateaus are definitely something that we deal with on a regular basis. I definitely lost my weight, I would say like in chunks, like nothing would happen and seriously would be like almost two weeks. I'd even sometimes feel like my clothes are getting looser but the skills in showing anything at all. And then all of a sudden I'd lose a pound or two or three. And then again, nothing, nothing, nothing. And that's why it's so important to get on the scale every day so that you really start to see the fluctuations that you get and how what you weigh daily doesn't even mean that much. (laughs) And the only reason it gets us so upset when we weigh every day is if we give so much meaning to the scale. Also, if you are fluctuating a lot, or nothing's really moving and your body's changing, you say you get on the scale a week later or 10 days later and nothing's changed, then you start thinking, gosh, everything I've been doing isn't working. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean anything at all, right? Two or three or four days later, you might have a big drop. But if you don't get on the scale again for another week or two, then you wouldn't know. So in my opinion, for most of my clients, I ask that they weigh every day. And I think that's one of the best things you can do. I thought it was horribly pathologic when I first started doing it. And I think I've shared that with you before. And it's great. I absolutely love it. It's, it's such a great thing to do for yourself. So let's first start off by talking about what a plateau is. Okay, because some people are coming to me three days of no weight loss, and they're like, I'm plateaued. And you definitely are not. It's only been a couple of days. So a plateau in my world is defined as no weight loss for two to three weeks. Okay, so other people may define it in a different way. But as far as my clients, the people I work with, I define it as no weight loss for two to three weeks. So when you find that it's been two to three weeks, and your weight has not budged, you need to ask yourself some questions first. Okay, these are the questions. One, do you have a discrete plan that you've been following? And what I mean by that is have you really written out how you are eating? How many meals a day are you eating? Are you snacking? What do you eat at your meals? And it doesn't need to be the specific food, but it can be a serving of protein, a serving of salad with fatty dressing, and a serving of cooked vegetables, something like that. I'm just making that up. But you have a basic protocol, a basic skeleton for yourself on how you eat. And so then the question is, are you following that? So if you have your plan, do you have it all written out? Or is it just kind of floating around in your head? I strongly recommend that you write it out for yourself. Every time I changed my protocol to get through any kind of plateau, I always had it written out on a sheet of paper sitting on my kitchen island, because I swear it would take like 10 days at least for it to become totally stuck in my head where I really didn't even need to look at it anymore. I would always look and double check. Am I following this right? Yes, I am. The next question, are you food journaling every morsel of food that enters your mouth? Because you know what our brains like to do, right? What we tend to do is we eat something off plan and then we promptly forget about it. So this particularly can happen if you save all your food journaling for the end of the day. This happens to me sometimes. And it's not even just that I'm, you know, eating something off plan. It'll just be that I forgot that I added some avocado to my salad and I don't write that down. So is it so important? It might be. It might be interesting for me to see what happens when I eat avocado and when I don't eat avocado. And that's why it's important to have that information on there. So if you are not food journaling, every single thing you're eating, every bite, lick, taste, all of the things that you're consuming, any beverage that might have any caloric content to it, then for sure, that's going to be something you're going to want to start doing. Next question, how often are you doing a joy eat? So a joy eat is just one food that you're having. And then the next question is, how often are you doing an exception meal? And what I call an exception meal is when you have more than one thing off of your plan at a meal. So say you went out to dinner and you had more wine than you usually do and bread and dessert, right? That's not a joy eat. That's an exception meal. And if you're doing those pretty regularly, typically you're not going to lose weight when you do an exception meal. So that's just something you're going to have to see, but you're going to have to keep track of that. Next question is, are you planning your food out ahead of time? And what I mean by that is like the day before. Okay, so the night before or the day before, planning out literally everything you're going to eat. Now, I have clients who plan out their whole week at a time, and that works great for them. I personally have never done that. It just, there's too many different factors that come into play in my life. But if that works for you and you can plan once for the whole week, 
Let's do it. And remember, when your food is really constrained, it shouldn't take you long at all. Like literally less than five minutes, probably more like one to two to just quickly jot down what you're going to eat. And so if you're not planning your food ahead of time, then what you're doing is making decisions in the moment. And guess who makes the decisions in the moment for you, particularly related to food? You got it your primitive brain. Okay, so that's the part of your brain that tells you in the moment, like, it doesn't really matter, you can have another serving of fruit, or you can have, uh, you know, more berries, twice as many berries as you kind of had thought you would, like just those little sneaky things, it doesn't have to be totally going off the rails. But when your primitive brain is behind the wheel, you can often find that you're not really following that plan. (laughs) Not very well at all. So really, really important that you're planning your food out ahead of time, at least 24 hours in advance, meaning the night before. And then when you do plan, are you following what you plan to eat 100% of the time? So this happens often where we make a plan and then the next day, oh, all the plans changed. No big deal. But then we're doing the same thing, making all these decisions from the primitive brain in the moment. And that's what we want to avoid. So with my clients in my in my big group right now, my weight loss for doctors only group, we've had to work through this so much with so many of them. It's kind of like under what circumstances is it okay to go off my plan? And when is it not okay? So say you're planning on eating some salmon, but when you go to heat it up or cook it, it's bad. Well, then clearly you need to go off your plan and pick something, you know, swap out something that's similar. And if you have some last minute plans come up, like your parents ask you to come over to eat, that's fine. But then you need to have your backup plan for what if they don't have food that works for your plan, right? Then you don't eat with them and you come home and eat something else. You need to really have that all laid out for yourself. So you're never finding yourself in that situation where you quote unquote had to eat whatever, anything, right? You always have a plan and then another backup plan. You guys have heard me talking about having plans A through G, like literally having a number, you know, all these plans, all these, these backups for yourself so that you can always stay on time. It's very important. Then the next question, how often are you snacking? As you know, if you've listened to the early podcast, snacking is not something that we do. And definitely even just a little bit can really derail your efforts. And then the last question is, where on the hunger scale are you when you finish eating? So you should be aiming for about a plus four on the hunger scale. If you're not sure what I'm talking about with the hunger scale, what a plus four means, be sure to go back to episode six and listen to that again. And that's going to give you all the information you need about the hunger scale. So if the answer is no to any of these questions, then you need to make some adjustments on that and then start following your plan 100% of the time for the next two weeks and see what happens. Very, very often, this is all that needs to be happening. We've gotten a little bit slack with things. We're not really following it exactly as we should be, or we're overeating a little bit, eating to maybe a plus five or plus six sometimes, or having a number of meals out and thinking, oh, it's not a big deal, but it can make a big deal. So, so definitely those are the things to work through. But if the answer is yes, that you have been doing all these things and you have been following your plan 100% of the time, then you are in a plateau and it's time to tweak that plan. So just like with a medical problem, we don't change everything all at once. You don't go from, you know, ketogenic diet to like a high carb diet, or I don't know, you know, something totally ridiculous and and crazy, change everything all at once. If you've had a plan that was working for you, and now it just isn't anymore, then that plan is allowing you to maintain where you are. So a plateau, really, all it is, is just maintenance. It's just not maintenance at the weight you want to be at. 
Okay. So when you look at it from a very neutral place like that, it's not a big deal. It's like, okay, if I kept eating this way forever, then I would maintain this weight, except I'd like to weigh less. So that means that I need to change things. And that doesn't always mean that you eat less food. And I want to make sure that you understand that when we have that old calories in calories out kind of way of thinking, we often think that we just need to cut back our portions are too big. That may be true. But if you feel like, no, I'm really good at not overeating, I've been stopping at a plus four, then there's a good chance that that's not what you need. What we need to do is just change up what you're actually eating or how often you're eating. So really, maybe one or two things could be a problem. Maybe there's a number of things, but we pick one or two things that are most likely to be the problem. And then we change those and follow that plan for the next two weeks, 100% of the time to see what kind of results we get before we change anything. So I have 10 ideas of things to try here, plus one bonus one. So eating more vegetables, particularly non-starchy ones. Okay. I find that as I get my clients off of flour and sugar and they're loving eating all these amazing, delicious, higher fat foods, those in particular who haven't been big vegetable eaters in the past will just still not eat very many vegetables. And depending on their bodies and depending on how much weight they have to lose, sometimes they'll lose a good chunk and then they won't anymore. Also, some of them find that they are eating vegetables, but mostly they are starchy veggies like potatoes, sweet potatoes, other root vegetables, winter squash, things like that. And so what we often have to do is start subbing in more vegetables, particularly those non-starchy ones. And with the starchy veggies, if we're having a lot of those, sometimes we'll alternate those every other day, or maybe even back them down to just a day or two a week. And then depending on the person, how close they are to goal, other issues that are going on, sometimes we'll even take like a full break from them for a little while. It kind of depends. And we're never saying you can't ever eat a potato again. It's just (laughs) as we're trying to break through this plateau and encourage the body to release a little bit more body fat. So more vegetables for sure. And then the next thing is make sure that you have plenty of good fat with these veggies. Always really important. So when I mean good fat, I don't mean things that are deep fried, anything that is trans fat, none of that kind of stuff. We're looking for healthy oils, full fat dairy, full fat meat, and olive oil, olives, avocado, guacamole, things like that. That's what we're looking for, coconut products. The next one is cheese and nuts, cheese and or nuts. As I said, when we start getting fat adapted, it's so fun. We get to eat all the cheese and nuts that we want, right? So amazing. And I should probably add nut butters into that too, because for me, nuts aren't a big draw, but nut butter definitely is, peanut butter. So oftentimes I find that my clients are using cheese and or nuts and or nut butters (laughs) as kind of like a dessert. And so they're having like a couple slices of cheese or they're having a little handful of nuts at the end of the meal. It kind of just signify to themselves that they're done or they that sort of feels like they're dessert to them. And I always remind them, you know, we don't do dessert because dessert makes us feel like we need a treat after eating and all we're doing is fueling our bodies. So dessert isn't really something that we want to think about. But what we can do is if you're thinking of, say, some nuts as your dessert, then just incorporate them into your meal. I mean, you can eat them. It's just if you're looking at it like, oh, I got to a nice plus four, now I'm having a little bit more as my dessert, then you're overeating, right? And that's the problem. So very often, you know, we'll lose a bunch of weight, then get into a plateau, 
slow and then we have to start reducing the cheese and nuts. Some people decide to take a complete break from the nuts. It depends. Some people find like they could eat, you know, nuts like they're candy, you know, like it's popcorn, just like boom, boom, boom. Other people, it's not as big of a draw. Same for cheese, but that's a place to look as cheese and nuts, especially if you're on a moderately low carb diet. The next one's alcohol. So this is a big one, right? So many people don't want to give up their alcohol. You know my stance on that. I've talked about that previously on the podcast, but it really comes down to why you're drinking it and how it's making things better in your experience then. And if you're finding that you're really enjoying your wine and you like your reasons, but you're not losing weight, that's a great place to cut back. Again, not saying you can't ever have any alcohol, just saying cutting back can be very helpful. And the next one is possibly scaling back on the size of a joy eat. So some people will kind of go, oh, okay, well, the joy eat is this one food. So I'm just going to eat a whole meal of that one food. So say you go to a restaurant where they have those like ginormous slices of cake, right? And you go, okay, well, for this whole meal, I'm just going to have this enormous piece of cake because that will fill me up. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you're in a plateau, then that might be a place to cut back and just go, you know what, I really probably don't need to eat from like a minus four to a plus four only in cake. Maybe I'll get to a plus one or plus two with some food that's fuel for my body and the rest of it eat in cake. So that might only end up being five or six or seven bites. And and when you really spend the time enjoying the food, really tasting it, really tuning in, that can be plenty. That can be just enough to make you feel like you got the pleasure out of the food that you wanted. Okay, the next one is reducing the amount of fruit. So first, I often will find that clients who eat a lot of tropical fruits like bananas, mango, and pineapple will end up in a plateau at some point. And so sometimes we'll just try switching to lower sugar fruits like berries and apples and things like that. But even so with the berries and apples, sometimes it's still not working. We're still not losing. So then we'll back fruit down to just once a day or maybe even every other day. Now I have some clients who the find the fruit is so sweet. It's like candy for them. And once they start eating it like grapes, they just cannot even stop and they end up eating so many cups of them. And so sometimes we just have to take a complete fruit break because their urges to overeat fruit are so strong. And we want to make sure that we are cutting back on that. And the next one is look at whether you're having any urges to considerably overeat or binge. So if you are binging even just once a month or even less frequently, that can really slow down your progress. So for my clients who have binging issues, I always ask them to tackle the binging first, and then we work on losing weight. Definitely doing any extended fasting or restricting food too much can bring on the urges to binge much more strongly. And it just ends up being this up and down, up and down. You lose some weight, then you binge and gain some back. And it's just, you can imagine trying to be at maintenance while still binging. It's just so much more challenging than if it's not a big deal at all. So for sure, dealing with the binges first, you know, the urges to binge first, and then really focusing on losing the weight. The next one is possibly less coffee and cream or tea and cream. So we often find that, you know, those of us who like to just eat two meals a day will have some coffee and cream or tea and cream in the morning. And that little bit of straight fat and the heavy whipping cream can take away a lot of the hunger and make us feel really satisfied and give us good energy as we go into into lunchtime, but definitely can turn into snacking where people find themselves having two or three coffees in the morning, then between lunch and dinner, another coffee, then after dinner, another decaf, 
or, you know, another tea and cream. And so the question really then is like, are you really hungry? And if you are really hungry, can you just be okay with being hungry? Because remember, hunger is just a suggestion to eat. It's not a requirement. You can let your body dine in. Now, can you have black coffee or plain tea? For sure. Water, sparkling water, you know, iced tea, any of those things are great. But looking at how much cream you're having, sometimes that can be a bit of a slippery slope. The next one is stop exercising. <laughs> and I've discussed that in a previous podcast, how exercising can really actually prevent you from losing weight, particularly if you're exercising in an intense manner. So for sure, that would be something to consider if you're exercising a lot. And then the number 10, the last one is get more sleep, like a lot more sleep. Okay, so really focusing for the next two weeks on getting lots and lots and lots of sleep. And then also working on active de-stressing, like regular meditation or things like that. For so many of my clients, especially as they reach their goal weight, this plan is so much more of a cortisol and stress management program than an insulin program. Now, of course, or insulin management program, of course, managing your insulin by the time you get to close to your goal is what you're doing automatically. That's just kind of what you're doing. But what they notice is that when they're managing their stress and keeping their cortisol levels lower, that's when they actually lose weight. So for sure, that's going to be a big one. And then the bonus one that I wanted to mention is just mixing up your fasting. So Jimmy, I don't know how you've been fasting or what kind of hours you've been doing. This is, you know, very personal, but there's lots of ways that you can play with your intermittent fasting, maybe narrowing your eating window a little bit, maybe trying to do a little bit of a longer fast every now and then, and just working your way up to it based on how you feel and what works for you. So many of my clients love doing a longer fast on a really busy work day because then they don't even have to think about eating and they're so distracted. They barely even notice that they even get hungry. So that would be something to try too. And then finally, I just want to mention the second part of a plateau that you have to handle is managing your thinking, right? So you're thinking about the plateau and then also in general. So if you're doing a good job of not eating your emotions, then you are by default feeling your feelings, which is what we're trying to do. But that might mean that you're experiencing a lot of stressful thoughts. So be sure to do your thought downloads about what's going on for you and decide what's working, what's not, which thoughts are useful for you, which aren't, which thoughts are creating the results you want, and which thoughts are not, and then work on changing those. Also, what are you making the plateau mean? Are you mad at the scale? <laughs> I have this all the time to get these emojis with these like super angry emojis with the with the scale. It's so funny to me. But you know, are you making the plateau mean that you can't be successful? It doesn't make any sense to be mad at the scale. Are you making it mean that your body is broken or that your set point can't be changed? Are you making it mean, screw it, I'll just go off plan since following my plan isn't working, right? You really need to be aware and tuned in to why the plateau is a problem for you because it really can be neutral. Oh, all I need to do is change my eating plan a little bit. Oh, all I need to do is follow my plan 100% of the time. I see this all the time with my clients where they have a lot of kind of going off and on and off and on little bits, and they're not really losing. And then they get back on track and are following their plan 100%. And like, boom, the weight loss goes so much more quick for them. And I'll always comment to them, isn't it so great to know that your protocol works when you follow it? Like, that's so great. You don't have to tell yourself, I don't know, you can't indulge in confusion or overwhelm or I just don't even know what's working. Yeah, no, you know, it's working. You just have to follow it. That's all. <laughs> just such good stuff. So make sure you get your mindset about your weight loss journey 
where it needs to be to have success. So get into that growth mindset, which means that you know there's a solution out there, you just have to find it. Okay, so I've given you some good tips, good places to get started with this. If you have any other questions, be sure to head to the show notes page for this podcast, which you can find at katrinaubelmd.com forward slash 48. And let me know what you think or any other questions you have. And then for sure, please, please, please leave me an iTunes review. I would love you forever. I mean, I already love you forever. But seriously, if you could just do it, I will really, really love you forever. (laughs) All right. Have a wonderful week. I will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now, take the next step and go to KatrinaUbelMD.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.